Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. So if you haven't already checked out Sling.com, now might be the time because you got a lot of channels, a lot of options, a lot of games to watch. We got we got teams hitting the field. Like Tennessee hit the practice field today. I, I believe all the Thursday night game season openers hit the field today. We had the Week Zero teams hit the field last week, and then everybody comes in later this week. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting that uh, that football season in the air. Last night, I was watching a show um, with Britt, and she lit a candle that had a fall smell to it. And I was like, God, it's it's starting to feel like it a little bit. It, what is what is the scent? They, they say scent is the the strongest sense tied to memory. So, what's the scent for you that says it's football season? Um, the fireplace smell. Oh, okay. See, mine's a little bit different. Mine's an outdoor scent. It's 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 actually most people associate it with baseball as the fresh cut grass. But fresh cut grass is what we had to do belly busters into in high school. Yes. So you got a big snoot full of that, and it, it made you think of football quite a bit as as you were doing belly busters in August. And I realized some people call them grass drills, some people call them up downs. I find belly buster to be the most elegant way to describe. What, what is going on there so yeah the, the fireplace thing has always been um just kind of like it's cold outside you know yes when it's cold outside some people view that as christmas season or the holiday season or whatever but like cold outside to me means football season so i think that's the reason why my brain triggers the way that it does yeah so i i don't i, I because of where i live it doesn't actually get cold until football season's almost oh, like regular season's almost <laughs> yeah. over so we we've got a little more little more hot smell down this way, but it is uh it is time. I am very excited. We've got a good mix of five star questions today. We did promise we we're going to answer some five star questions. You know, a lot of it's about some of the the procedural stuff that's been going on in the off season, including the playoff and uh, what's going to happen next. But we also got some on field stuff, which I'm I'm very very excited about. The first question comes to us from Dominic, and. So Dominic listened to us the other day when we were talking about the potential 16-team playoff. We were coming off Big Ten media days. Kevin Warren had kind of tossed it out there. Gene Smith had tossed it out there. It it does seem like it's getting a little more conversation, which means probably it's something the folks want to talk about when they get back together and decide how this thing's going to work. So Dominic heard us talking and, and heard me saying, well, you know, if you've got 16 teams, one's going to have to play 16. You don't really want that. You don't want two play in 15. So Dominic's idea is adding some layers of intrigue, but also adding some weeks of, of competition here. So Dominic thinks that nine through 16 should play in that first week. And then they break it down. And then five through eight had a buy. And the winners 
of nine through 16 games will play the five through eight teams. Meanwhile, one through four will sit, will be sitting there on a double buy. So basically you've got, you know, you knock out four teams the first week, you knock out another four teams the second week, you knock out another four teams the third week, and then you've got your semifinals and then your final. So the, the idea that I have with this is, and, and I don't know if this is just like an old person way of looking at it. So, so correct me, but we already think that the teams that rank in between 10 and 16 in the scenario are going to be completely eliminated from winning this thing. Right? Like, do we go into this accepting that, or do we go into it with the dreams or thoughts that one day a 15 seed will play for the championship? I think we accept it now, but I think you and I have talked about flattening the curve enough with, with the top 100, top 250 recruits that if the curve gets flattened even a little, that opens the door for seven, eight, nine, ten. Because the, the reason why I bring that up is that if we are having a playoff system that is realistically supposed to crown a national champion, which it will, mm -hmm. right? Right. If you force teams, because like even let's just say, you know, Alabama has a weird two loss year in five years, and they're yeah. the fourteen. By forcing the teams to play two extra playoff games. I think you're all but making it impossible from a physical standpoint, not even just about how good you are. But if right. you've got to play two games like that more before you go play that year's version of Alabama, yeah. like you have no chance of winning. But, what if, so, but you just mentioned, what if Alabama has a down, down, quote unquote down for them yeah. and is, is team number 12 or whatever? Could that team not still be able to beat? Number one, two, or three, or well, four. Well, the question isn't about whether or not the team that's number 12 is actually good enough. We've spent a lot of time uh, debating whether or not a 12 seed will ever be good enough to win the national title. If it's before. Alabama, it will be. But will it, can a team overcome the, the physical burden of that? Even if I, the team I, is really, really good, like yeah, is I, it I think it's probably asking too much. You were, you were asking a one, you know, if a team comes out of that first week and you're asking them to win five games. I think that might be too much I, because there's still a 10, too much. there's a 10 day layover between the semifinals and the national title game as it stands. Right. Well, there wouldn't have to be necessarily, No, but I'm but... saying like they've already acknowledged the fact that they need more than a week to bounce back from the semifinal game in a four team playoff. Right. So if you create a system where you have week one, which is 10 through 16, like you mentioned, and then the, the, in the second weekend, it's the, the winners of those games playing again before Alabama has to ever play the current Alabama team. Right. Like not only are you going to have to beat Alabama, you're going to have to beat a fresh Alabama after you just got your ass kicked for two weeks. Yeah. I, so like, I, I just like to me, it's just like I think that there are a lot of really good ideas, and like honestly, that idea that you just read would be a very entertaining thing to watch. Now, the question that I do have is, do we ever have to acknowledge the fact that we're talking about football here, and like how much the actual bumps and bruises and the physicality it takes to win a playoff game? Oh, I um, I, I think we have to talk about that, and I also think how. Like from a logistical standpoint, how do you schedule something like that? How would you schedule five games like that? Especially if you, if as you mentioned, you'd want to have a break between various rounds or a longer break than usual between various rounds. I, I just that you're getting into a, a a time crunch there where I just don't know if you can you can pull that off. So unless you're okay with shortening the regular season to ten games, like if you shorten the regular season mm -hmm. to create a better postseason, then I think that there's some some options out there they're not the thing that i do they're not going to do that though because they right. they want the home games yes right so you know if you go look at the at the who do we say was the number 12 team in last year's uh, college football playoff rankings like 
like let's just say I don't think Pitt was twelve, but Pitt would have been in the twelve or, or sixteen, right? If I think Pitt they were twelve actually in the last one. So if Pitt wins their first two games, um, in slug fests where they like proved that they were tough and they were very very good, um, they won those two playoff games, and then the reward for winning those two playoff games and back to back weekends is playing Alabama, right? That hasn't played in three weeks. Like that would be a really hard thing to do, and I think honestly borderline unfair. As if well, playing Alabama isn't unfair enough, you know, like well, adding that. Uh, yeah, to the mix. Here, here's the thing. You got to, you can't look at it two ways. You have to decide how you want to look at it. Is it a tournament to crown the true champion? The, the, mm-hmm. the most excellent. Or is it a, uh, is it a pageant that people are invited? Is to? it an entertainment product that you're selling to television networks? And I don't I know what know the answer is. This. Yeah, you, I know what your answer is, which is the no, only No, no, reason. I know what the answer is. Yeah, the answer is your answer. Yeah. The reason why I've always pushed back on this is that I don't know that I would prioritize the pageant over the the reason we're doing it to begin with. Well, but but so, it, it, it's interesting because this would get you both. This would ensure that the teams that were the best in the regular season have a decisive advantage over everybody else yeah so you get your you get your true champ but you'd also get the pageant down you're below. Still always going to get your true champion so i've never really been worried about yeah that. i i i think 12 threads the needle a little bit i do because i think you can probably schedule that and you know you you it creates the the breaks where they're there there adds some drama of did you get a buy? Did you get a home game? Did you, you know, that, that sort of thing matters. And I'd like it. I would like to see it. I would love to see it where it was campus sites until the championship game. And then you put the championship game somewhere neutral, which I think would further incentivize teams at the end of the season. You'd never see anybody sitting their players because you, you would, you would want to be one of the two teams that had the opportunity to host through the semis yeah yeah no i mean i think the idea of a home game in the playoffs is awesome so um you know i'm in on that i would like i just like would love it if the 12 team playoff when and if that happens the 12 team actually has a chance to compete at a high level and i think nine out of ten years or maybe 49 out of 50 years they won't um yeah but what if 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 they what if it's like one of those georgia teams from the past couple years that yeah, that had a couple losses. That, but because they're going to be Georgia teams, teams that are have... still like ranked seventh or eighth. It's not like right. they were like fifteenth. Well, like I think when you start that... getting into the mid teens, you're into the second layer of of average. What, I, what I'm saying is, there are going to be years where someone who has the talent to compete with somebody at one is going to wind up being. It'd be a fun exercise 10. if you actually went through the college football playoff rankings since 2000. What was it? 13 was the first year. 2014. 14. I should have known that. <laughs> you want to know why? You didn't, you didn't cover the team that won the national title that year. <laughs> yeah. 2014 was the first year. If you go back to 14 um, and looked through the r- rankings, and I think I wonder if you could find a team in a hypothetical world that you'd be like, you know what? This team was ranked outside of the top 10 in the final playoff rankings, but I think they could win the national championship. Well, this, is, this is not one from, from 2004. This is pre-CFP, but I'll, I'll give you one. How about 2012 Texas A&M? They had beaten the eventual national champ on the road, 
Now, they were two lost teams, so I think they were sitting about 10. Uh, let's see if we can find the final BCS standings from, from 2012 and see where they were. Because we know they were capable of beating the team that won the national championship because they beat them in Tuscaloosa. So where would, where would they have... Where would they have fallen in a playoff? And I'm bad at looking things up on the fly, but that's that's what we're doing here. Yeah, they lost to Florida by three in the opener, and they beat LSU. Um, they lost LSU, or they lost LSU. Sorry, where was the? Did they beat Bama that year? They beat twenty nine twenty four on the road. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, here we go. Here's our final BCS standings. Texas A and M finished ninth. Texas A and M absolutely could have beaten Alabama because we. We know, and, and Alabama's number two. Remember, Notre Dame was undefeated. Texas A&M could have beaten Notre Dame. Texas A&M could have beaten any of those teams above them. Like the Florida was ranked three, and and they played a very competitive game in week two that year. So I believe that because they were supposed to play Louisiana Tech week one, and that game got washed out, and they had to postpone it. But I mean, Florida State, which won the ACC that year, would have been number twelve. So I mean. That, that was a talented Florida State team that ended up winning the national title the following year. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. had a first rounder at quarterback in EJ Manuel. So, like, that. So, the, the point that I'm trying to make, though, is that if you're going to have those special teams that occasionally crash the playoff, and then we are craving the years where anything can happen, then you can't cut them out from. The, you know, beneath their legs before they get into the playoff by making them play two extra games in the eventual national yeah, I, championship. I, I don't. I think that's too much. I, I think the way they did the twelve. I, I hate to say it. It it really grew on me the more we talked about it because initially I was like 12, 12 is a weird number. Twelve doesn't work, but it grew on me. I, I could I could go with eight even if they wanted to do that, but I think they're going to want to go with twelve to have that extra extra weekend of games too. I always just thought it would be cleanest if they did all five Power Five champs and then three at-large bids. But there's no Power Five anymore, and it's that's what I was two. just going to say. Yeah, it's the Power. There's no more Power Five, so I don't know how you do it. But you know, eight to me seemed like a good number because eight is kind of the cutoff in my mind of like where a team could be competitive most years. Yeah. So well, you know, I, I think that you would have a better, more um, entertaining playoff that way because you know the number eight ranked team is a, usually a very, very good football team. But I think sometimes when you get into 14 and 15, you have very average teams. Um, and I think that's kind of speaks to the way college football is set up and the fact that there's really only four elite teams any given year, you know? So. Well, sometimes not even that. Not even that. Last year, how many were there? But Two? that doesn't mean that there, there can't be fun games b- between the teams beneath there. And that's yeah. that's the part people lose when they're like, no. So you're all in on twelve. You're all in on twelve. Oh yeah, yeah. I can I can definitely see twelve. I can definitely work with twelve. And if again, like we talked about, if the curve flattens a little bit, twelve becomes very intriguing. Yeah, I mean, almost everybody involved in that thing has a shot. Yeah, and also I got to take into account too that the reason why I've been so keep the playoff the way it is is because the recruiting rankings have been so lopsided. So like if we ever get to a point where they're not so lopsided and actually think fun, yeah. that an eight, the number eight team in the country actually has a chance, then that kind of changes your perception a little bit of that. And I guess maybe if you open it up and there's 15 more years of ass kickings 
and then in year 20 recruiting changes or something happens where teams are more evenly matched, then you have this system in place and that's great. But, you know, the thing that I'm, I'm very curious about too, Andy, is that, you know, as we got to the 14 playoff, if you go back to 14 when they or 13, when it was announced or whatever, everybody always said at the time, okay, well, this will be fun for the, te- for the temporary years where yeah. we have a playoff until we expand it. Because it was and, a dumb thing to do to make it four in the first place. Okay. But if they make it 12, can we just stop at the, can we just stop there? Maybe. Like, it doesn't have to keep getting bigger. Yes, playoffs bigger. keep growing. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know. It's just like NFL, it's going to keep growing. The NFL and growing tacked and grow- on two more teams a couple years ago. <laughs> I, I know, look, but like, what do you, like, what, at what point is it enough for you? When I'm stopped, when I'm not entertained anymore. Well, you're always going to be entertained when you feel like you can't be entertained. It is the entertainment business. It's an entertainment product. No, I know. But at a certain point, when it's like. There are certain shows that are really, really good, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, God, I love this show. It's amazing. But you stop watching them when they tail off or they try to go too long. So what's the tail off point for you? Maybe it's 16. I don't know. If they get to like 28 or something, it's going to suck. I don't think they're going to get 28. Okay, well, if it goes, I mean, we're going from four to twelve, so like mathematically, you're not going to we'll go to fourteen by the time after that or sixteen. Don't you worry hope, about it. Okay, I hope don't, so. Don't you worry about I it. I hope so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when we come back, we gotta we gotta talk about that power five, power two thing because there's a great question. I hadn't thought about it this way, and 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 it's something that that really bears thinking about and and ties into a discussion we had a couple weeks ago. This question from Chris has me thinking i had not thought about this this way and i want i want to i want to put this in your head too so this is chris's question if clemson can't figure out a way to escape the sinking ship of the acc will Dabo sweeney be the coach of the auburn tigers in 2023 will any acc team be able to keep a successful coach with such a brutally undervalued media deal i don't know as brutally undervalued is the is the right term but it is significantly less or will be significantly less than what the SEC and the Big Ten teams are getting. So I don't know about Dabo, Ari, because I, I, I've, I've long said I don't think Dabo's leaving Clemson. I think he's retiring there. He's, he's iconic. He's the first Dabo Sweeney. He's not going back to Zalma Mater to be the next Nick Saban. Also, he strikes me as an early retirer, like not a guy who's going to Bobby Bowden coach into his, into his 70s or 80s. But – Let's talk about some of these other coaches in the ACC. Dave Doran, Dave Clawson, who have put together very good programs that could be very competitive. Well, if an SEC or a Big Ten team wants you, how do you say no at that point? How is the conference expansion and the money that's causing it any different than the human beings individually that are leading the programs? Nothing. It's not. It's the same thing. It's, it's just exactly done on an individual thing. level instead of as an entity. Yeah. So what but do it's you all, mean? It's, like, it's also, it's not just the, the individual salary because you can decide how you want to spend your money and you can say, we will, we will pay the football coach this yeah, amount. It's, all, it's the salaries of your staff. Exactly. It's the recruiting budgets. It's yes. the infrastructure. Yes. It's, are they going to get you everything that you need when you feel like you need it? Right. And I think it's that's why, it's why think, honestly, Jeff Tom and Tom Allen have more resources than I do. If you're, you're looking at it that way. Right. And I think that, you know, I've heard enough coaches say that the most important thing to them when taking a job was knowing that they had the athletic direct, the, the athletic director on their side with, you know, an understanding that, Hey, if I ask for something, 
it's going to happen. And I always use this example, but I just think it's funny because this was something that Urban Meyer did early on in Ohio State tenure that I'll never forget. But he walked into the Ohio State building when he took the job and Ohio State's trash cans and their football facility were like just regular trash cans. And I, I heard him say, how am, I supposed trash to, cans? how am I supposed to recruit to these trash cans? And guess what happened a week later? New Ohio trash. State had chrome big trash cans with Ohio State's uh, logo on them. And it was just like that. And it's like, that's a funny example because who cares about the trash cans? What do you mean recruit to these trash cans? It doesn't even make any sense. But <laughs> it, he had an athletic director that was willing to write a check for whatever it is that they needed whenever he thought he needed it. And I think that if you ask any coach, would you rather have that situation and that relationship with your program and your athletic director? Or would you rather make more money? I think a lot of them would take the first option. Yes, I agree. I, I think if you give the coach an option of a million dollars more for yourself or $2 million more for your staff, they're going to take the $2 million more for your staff. Because they understand that that will in turn make them more. It's an investment in themselves. Over the long term. Yes. Correct. Yes. And so I, I think that's a big fear in the ACC, especially at a school like Clemson, at a school like Florida State, at, at, and or at the ones where things are going well and they are overachieving relative to, to where they've been. I mean, NC State's a great example of that. They've got one of the best rosters they've ever had coming back. You know, this is a this could be a very good team. You know what the problem with con the conference thought is? Hmm. That you look at the programs and the other teams that are in their conference as their main competition. Yeah. But in the last 10 years, especially, college football isn't a beat your conference and then go try to beat other conferences. Clemson's number one competition isn't in the ACC. Their right. number one competition Georgia is Alabama. Alabama. It's yeah. Georgia. It's Ohio State. So even if everybody in the ACC is pulling in the same amount of money based on their, their grant of rights or their TV deal, that that is great when they're playing conference play, but Clemson is trying to beat Georgia. Yeah. And we all know that Georgia spends buku dollars on their recruiting budget every given every year, despite the fact that they have more all the players in the in the world that they need about an hour and a half away from their campus. Um, and it's just like at what like you get to a, a a thought of like how much more can a team spend on their recruiting budget? And it's like if I'm sure Georgia will find a way, <laughs> you know, to spend more. And if you're recruiting the same players and the team that you have is spending three or four times more money to recruit these guys, you're gonna lose the battles. It's that well, this simple. is this is really what happened to Colorado with Mel Tucker. Remember, Mel Tucker told Michigan State no, and then Michigan State comes back with okay, we'll double your salary. We'll more than double your assistant salary pool. Like, what do you, you can't say no to that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really, like everybody gets all fired up about NIL and how it's going to impact the recruiting rankings. And the funniest thing about the whole thing is that the money coming into the program is going to affect it even more. Yeah, and, and always has, always has. So that's the part I, I am interested to see going forward because I think the Big 12 is going to have to deal with this, and obviously the Pac-12 is going to have to deal with this. If you're in one of those leagues, do you feel like you got to get out to a, an SEC or a brings Big us back to what spot? we talked about on Monday show, which is how much does a look in the eye matter if you're the Pac-12 trying to keep it together mm -hmm. when you have all this money floating around and the money has a direct impact on the strength of your program and your stature in the sport. So... You know, I do think that it's not just like, you know, it's, it's, of course, this is a, a situation that is ruled by greediness, right? Like, there's no question yeah. about that. But the greediness also 
goes a long way in proving. It's like I think the uh, another question of how you could phrase this, Andy, is will Purdue be a better football program in 15 years than um, the fourth best program in the ACC because they just have more money? And it's a legitimate question. I don't know that I don't know what the answer to that is because you know there's still going to be a pecking order in each conference. You're still going to have to to deal with getting beat within your conference by programs that are that are just better and and also by the way have a bunch of money so does that matter uh and and i think if you're the coaches like you've talked about the auburn job and how you wouldn't want to be in that situation because you've seen how crazy it can be and you've seen how how just kind of they just move from one thing to another and, and they can fire you at the drop of a hat and all that but would you be willing to risk it or more willing to risk it? Let's say it opens after this year. If you are jumping from an ACC school or jumping from a big 12 school. That's right. And that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I, that question is the whole thing. And I think we'll find out an answer. What like, cause we think Auburn's going to open unless Brian Harson just says a miracle season. What would you do? And, I'd take the money at Auburn because they're going to, if it doesn't work, you're going to pay me to not work. I mean, they're going to try to, let me ask me you first, this way. Then, then they'll pay me to not work. Let me ask you this way. If I said you had to be the head coach of a program for the next 15 years mm-hmm. and you can't leave. Okay. Would you rather be the head coach at Purdue? Uh huh. Or would you rather be the head coach at Florida state? Purdue hundred percent right now? Yes. There's more money, and they don't expect as much. Florida State's going to fire me for what Purdue's going to give me a raise to do. Yeah, but getting the raise is harder at Purdue, too. Is it? They got lots no, of I'm money. No, I'm saying like like winning seven games is hard at Purdue. True, true. But No, but I'm just saying like winning, I, 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 maybe, winning eight I mean, or I nine games at Florida State right now is pretty hard, and they'll be ha- they would be happy with that this year immediately. But if you do it next year after doing it this year – they're going to be mad. They want to be back in 10, 11, 12 territory. And they want what they want. Okay. How about this? North Carolina or Purdue? Mm, okay. That's a little, a little better because they don't. Because I want to try you. to get you yeah. out of the Mark Stoops mindset. Right. I want you, I want you to be in the mindset of more prestigious program or program that I know for a fact is going to be in the conference. Like right. those are play, two very players, different things. Play, okay. So North Carolina players nearby. Great uniforms, beautiful campus. You recruit it right, you can win the ACC. While the conference does not provide that much money, there is a very robust donor base that if you get things rolling, they will they will provide some money. So that one, I think, is a little more intriguing to me because I feel like there's a little... What I'm basically trying to get you to say is that Purdue is a more desirable job than a uh, uh, upper-half-tier ACC job. Based well, on I already said it about Florida State because I think the expectations at Florida State are so high that it's almost. Well, impossible. I know, but I, that that's. Uh, I mean, I might actually rather be Purdue uh, than Florida State, even without the expansion. If it's that's the way you're looking at it, yeah, I'm like looking at it from a standpoint of are the lower tier jobs that we make fun of five years ago going to all of a sudden be some of the top fifteen to twenty jobs in America um, in ten years when this all settles down. Yeah, I, I think especially a like job, job that pays a job that pays. Yeah, we, we may have to recalibrate our job rankings. And, and you and I may have been way ahead of the curve 
in our Kentucky's the the greatest job in the world. Like we 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 were ahead of the, of the rest of the pack on that. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I think I, I think, think that's going to happen. I think being the coach at um, any place that has a a power five schedule that doesn't really demand much is a great situation. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm like a lazy person. I, I think I work pretty hard. It's, it's not. It's not that. But, you have to be. You still have to be good. Like you still have to do a really good job to win eight, nine. Like Mark Stoops has won double digit games two of the last three years at Kentucky. That's an amazing accomplishment. I you just don't know if good. I would. If I would, I'd want to make all that money and be in a football environment. I don't know if I'd want to keel over every night before bed because I'm under so much stress that one thing could go wrong that the entire fan base is going to turn on me. Well, and and see, that's that's the issue. And that's part of the deal because when you have those schools, the Kentuckys, the Purdue's, the Minnesotas, where they do have resources but do not have those same expectations, you can get paid pretty close to what those guys at the at the places that have the big expectations make. It's like Purdue has had some pretty terrible seasons the last few years um, at times, and people just kind of don't realize it. And then when they have one good season, it's like it makes up for all it's, the crap around it. There, there's forgiveness for a bad season. Kentucky had that too. The Lynn Bowden option season was, was not what they wanted. Yeah. Well, that wasn't, that was also kind of out of their control. Yeah. But, but it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter if it's out of your control at Auburn. It doesn't matter if it's out of your control right. at Florida State. And it doesn't matter if it's out of your control at Florida. You're still fired. So, but like, is like a team like, is Illinois going to be a better job than Louisville? Is Indiana going to be a better job than Virginia Tech? Is Iowa going to be a better job than Florida State? That like, are, that is that is the operative question, and it is a legitimate question. It is a like, I don't see how it isn't. I don't see how that doesn't become the law of the land. Yeah, unless it's so unless weird, there's something happened. But it is. It's like I wonder, like, if when your son's son watches college football. If he's going to have no concept whatsoever that Purdue wasn't a powerhouse, like, but is it possible that it could go they, that would far? They be a, would they be a powerhouse? No, they would just be. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that they would be kind of like um, maybe the old view of Texas A and M, like a really mm-hmm. good team that like, has a bunch of money every once in a while. They compete yeah. at a high level every once in a while. Yeah. They've got all the resources in the world. People love them. They haven't gotten it done, but they're in the they're on the bus. It, it is it is definitely wow when you think about it that way that may be the biggest change of all out of all this yeah i think that they're i think that it's so funny as we spend so much time thinking about like if you're an illinois fan what can my team do you know yeah. what can brett bielema do to make my team a rose bowl team again and like you talk about recruiting classes and strategies and branding and hiring illinois or hanging Illinois banners in downtown Chicago and competing with Northwestern to be Chicago's. It's like all that stuff. It's like, actually just kind of be in the big 10 when they expand and everybody makes a bunch of money. And there's only two conferences. Like, it's like, I feel like there's a lot of teams that have been kind of like at the bottom of the barrel here that are going to be ultra relevant forever as a result of being in the, in the right place at the right time. Or, or more relevant than teams that they used to be less relevant than. Yeah. It's like, is Arizona state going to be worse off than Illinois long-term? I think probably so. And it's like there's more people at Arizona State that cares about their football program than Illinois. But this is the way it is. 
All right. We, we've got is move. Illinois going to be a better job than Oregon? I don't know. It kind of depends on what happens with Oregon. It does. Oregon, we're Washington all, still feel like a little bit of the, the You and I just here. paused the movie in the middle of the movie and are talking about the outcome of the movie, but the movie hasn't ended yet. That's exactly right. So we need like, to watch a little bit more of the movie. Yes. Okay. Let's hit the field. This is from No Regrets. And we actually answered this question last year. I don't know how we did. I, we, I should have gone and found how we did on the answer to the, this question. But here's, here's the question. Hey, Andy, last year I wrote in your mailbag asking for tips on college football fantasy. It's that time of year again. If you're drafting in a Power 5 only league, this is the key. So we can't throw Grayson McCall in there and say 12.8 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So it's Power 5 only. Who are your stars, sleepers, and busts? Am I crazy for thinking that Tyler Shook is the best option available? I, I, I'm assuming it's a keeper league if he's saying that Patrick Shook is the best option available, which means you, you can't get C.J. Stroud or you can't get Bryce Young because somebody else in your league already has them. But the Tyler well, I Shook I think he thing, thinks that it actually is the best because even though... Well, know, the numbers are going to be humongous. If you have big numbers, it's like... CJ yeah. Stroud might be the team uh, that wins the national championship, but that doesn't count in fantasy. Just but which guy? Yeah, you want yards, you want touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. So Tyler Shook is at Texas Tech. If you don't know who Zach Kitley is, that's the new offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. He was a Houston Baptist before he went to Western Kentucky. So he's a Houston Baptist. They scare the hell out of Texas Tech during that that COVID season there in 2020. Zach Kitley and his quarterback Bailey Zappi go to Western Kentucky light it up. Joey McGuire gets hired at Texas Tech. He brings Zach Kitley, whose dad is the track coach there, brings him home to Lubbock. So you've got an offensive coordinator running an offense that's going to allow you to put up huge numbers. But here's the issue with Tyler Shook, who, if you'll remember, was at Oregon before he went to Texas Tech. He might not win the job. They've They've got Donovan Smith, who finished last season. Remember, Tyler Shook got hurt. And then they had Donovan Smith finish out the season very well for that team with, with Sonny Cumbie as the, uh, as the interim coach, they ended up beating Mississippi state in the bowl game. Uh, they've also got Baron Morton, who's a young guy that they really like. So Ari, how do you handle this? Do, do you, do you pick like shook and Donovan Smith and, and just hope that you've got one of the ones that wins the job and is going to put up. Have you ever done college fantasy before? I have not. I've only done I don't the, really the know NFL how it- version. I don't know how I've never done it before, so I don't know how it works. Like how many roster spots you have because there's so many players. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you probably, if you go in that situation, I think you just take a risk of who you think is going to be the starter, and then if they're not, you drop them, right? Like that's yeah. kind of what you do. Um, but I would always draft with certainty in mind. So like when you think about just no restraints, doesn't matter how good you think the team's going to be. Like who's just going to put up numbers? Like who jumped into your mind? Well, I had one I mean, person. I'm very guys, absolutely. But but yeah, who who do you have? Jackson Dart. If he wins the job, I think he's going to win the job. He's got to beat out Luke Altmaier for the job. But yes, they're going to put up big numbers. I mean, Jackson Dart's a stud. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel is good too. Uh, I think Will Shipley will because he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield if he can stay healthy. Okay, so Will Will Shipley's an interesting one. I think Will Shipley, if he's healthy, will will have a very big year because you're right. He he will he can produce touchdowns rushing and receiving. Let me give you another guy, and I'm sure that that our guy's whole league is all, is all over this. His he his he's no regrets is his name, but it's N E A U X. So I'm assuming an LSU fan here. 
I assume anybody who's an SEC fan already knows about Jameer Gibbs and, and is fearful of what he's going to do at Alabama so. now that he's transferred <laughs> from Georgia Tech. Uh, but Jameer Gibbs running the ball and catching the ball, the big, big Josh Jacobs and, and Kenyon Drake type vibes here. He's going to be able to put up some big numbers. He may be their feature back and the best, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield when all is said and done. Because you want to, you also too like want to have, like this is the thing that has always been interesting to me about college fantasy football is if you bought, get a team or a player on a team like Clemson mm-hmm. and they're playing a team that stinks or isn't even in the same league. Like Will Shipley can have four touchdowns on a quarter in a right. game like that. Now he's so like, going to get pulled at halftime. You but might he's get pulled, but like, yeah. Like if you had like Jamison Williams last year, he would just have like three seventy-five yard <laughs> touchdown receptions, right, against a team that couldn't ca- cover him in a million years, and then sit at halftime. But I would like want. I'm just like trying to think, like, because like everybody's fantasy rules are different. You know who I would want? Hmm. And I'm like trying to think outside the box. Everybody can say C.J. Stroud and Trey Henderson and B. John Robinson, like. You know who I think is like somebody I would definitely want on my team just because of, you know, I think he's really good and would be fun to watch is Zach Charbonnet, the running oh, yeah. back at UCLA. Also, I'd want to watch my fantasy players at 11 o'clock uh, p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, give yourself a reason to watch. That, dude, late. that dude's going to light it up this year. Watch. So the the other two that I said, uh, John Emery at LSU, who suspensions, injuries, he just has never really been able to show what he can do. But I think he's going to be LSU's featured back this year, and I think he's going to put up numbers. So uh, that's one. And then another guy who was having a great game against Ohio State last year in the season opener and then got hurt, And but we've seen him produce is Muhammad Abraham at, at yeah. Minnesota. He's one of the encore four. The, he's the guys on my uh, developmental. I play in a developmental uh, NFL fantasy league where you can draft college players and high schoolers. Yeah, and hold him in a Devi spot, and Mo Ibrahim's on my team. Well, uh, I I also think um, not to change it on you. Yeah, but I I think that uh, Tavion Thomas at Utah is going to be very good. Mm-hmm. I think that like if you like the idea of the Smash Mouth team of the Pac-12, um, I, I like their running back there. Um, but it's just like kind of this weird shift between like who do you want? Like what about Tank Tank Bigsby? Like is he like their entire offense? He probably will be. And he's going to have some big games. Yeah. Yeah. Cameron Rising. Like guys that you would never think, but just like, we'll just light it up. Is he going to put up huge numbers? I don't See, know. That's the thing with like, like Will Levis. We, we had the, the mailbag question where somebody wrote in and said, do you realize that Will Levis's numbers and Emory Jones numbers last year were basically the same? Yeah. And I looked at him and I'm like, oh, yeah, they were. <laughs> but, yeah. But. Wandale Robinson would have been a spectacular fantasy player last year. So Tavion Robinson, who is is the guy that they got from Virginia Tech, Kentucky got him as a transfer from Virginia Tech. The hope is that he can maybe move into that role. Is he worth a flyer in the late rounds? I kind of want to do this. It's making me want to do it. There you go. I've never done it's, it before. It, it Listen, I, I feel like it's right up your alley. Uh, also, we, we got to talk about Patrick here. I listen to the podcast one and a half speed or faster. So hearing these guys at live speed makes them sound drunk. Not necessarily negative. Also, Ari looks really bored during the ad reads. Well, well, we're, we're going to get, we'll get Ari I want to be incorporated. In yes. You were very incorporated yesterday. We're, we're, we're yes. working through some, some new stuff because we've got some new sponsors. We're trying to, trying to give them the, the best service we can, but I'm going to be staying in the same hotel as Max Olson this week. 
Ooh, boy. So I'm going to have him show me his Peloton app. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, Max boobs is... bump. You know, it's called uh, no more titty season over here in Dallas. <laughs> so, you know, and Peloton is, is uh, something I've been interested in for a while now. Well, so. there you go. Yeah, he will uh, He will show you those uh, the, the Rebecca Kennedy hikes and the, the, the hike boot camps and all that. Uh, I've seen I've seen Max get after it before. Yeah, he does. He's, he was telling me that like working out with you was like the best thing that's ever happened to him because like you kicked his ass all three days when we were in, in uh, Phoenix for the summit. And I didn't uh, make him do anything. He no, just, but he, yeah, he I know. But he himself. said like watching you work out like a maniac like motivated him. So uh, you know, well that's I don't. I was that's watching, one thing. I was like, watching I Mitch lose Sherman. Mitch, our Nebraska beat writer, is a, is an animal in there. So. All yeah. I know for sure is that, like, it may be one of the bets that we have. If I lose, I have to go through a workout with you. That would be like the worst thing ever. That would be fun. I that like would be that. Fun. Like, I that I don't know. If, I'd rather eat the chicken. I want to go to this garage with you where they, they have the Korean anti mosquito gel. Yeah, bamuli cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, bamuli. but I have. Uh, I'm going today. Maybe I. I don't know if Patrick's still listening. He 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 put the the question in the chat about nine minutes ago, so he may still be here. I need to know from Patrick, like I've never been able to listen to podcasts at one and a half or double speed. I'm just not that. Like, you I, should do Ben Shapiro at two, two, two times the speed. I just thought it was listening funny. to like an Alvin and the Chipmunks album or. I can't do it, man. <laughs> I, I prize don't efficiency. make any inferences about my political views uh, one way or I, the other I, I because it was anything. just somebody made a joke about it. We listened to it fast and I thought it was funny. <laughs> I, I prize efficiency. I try to, to take advantage of my time as much as I can, but that's one area where I just can't like, I need to hear the person speaking at normal speed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless the person's like a very slow talker. I mean, if you're talking to somebody who talks like this, then you can might wrap it up like a quarter of a percent. Like Maybe. sometimes I'll listen to a book on tape and the guy is going really slow and I'll ramp it up. And I don't know to, what to tell Patrick. I mean, it's, it's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon where I am. It's, it's one o'clock in the afternoon where you are. We are drunk. Like we yeah. just made an agreement to take like five shots before we did this podcast. So we should do it's that. Not that we time. sound drunk. I'd get fired if I did that. Dave says me at fast speed is insane. I, I, I imagine, I imagine I sound like Alvin Simon and or Theodore. So no, no, thanks. I mean, one time like during the national championship game this year, uh, I went to a bar with my friends and my friends happened to have gone to Georgia. So I was just watching the game and we were at a bar and obviously people were getting after it. But I said before the game that I would go on the solid verbal live show uh-huh. at halftime. Yep. I forgot that. Oh, and I was very, very drunk. Oh, boy. You can ask Dan Rubenstein. And I picked up the phone and I went into the parking lot and I was like hammered. And I think I did a pretty good job of holding it together. Um, but, you know, now we you should go back and listen to the show. Yeah. I, I don't know if they still have the maybe their Patreon does, but the live stream of the halftime, because I was out there saying, like, put the five star quarterback in. They can't score any points. They're not going to win if they can't move the football. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it was very on brand. Uh, it was my truth serum. But, you know, I ended up being wrong. And I'm here to, to live another day for it. So one more question, Ari. And this one. I feel like my answer has changed over the last few years. I, I'm, I'm curious to see where you come from because you come from a little bit different generation of sports writer here. My question for a five-star, well, I guess this is a five-star Friday that, that we did not get to this question on. Why do sports writers also love Marriott so much compared to Hilton or Hyatt? My personal experiences are so much better with the latter two, yet sports writers always go with Marriott. 
And I'm I, a Marriott I, guy. Are you? I I have always been a Marriott guy. I had a brief dalliance with Hilton where I was checking it out. I think the, the one thing I didn't like about Hilton is, is they did not offer a lot of flexibility if you had to change your reservation at the oh. last minute. And a lot of places don't now. But Marriott, if you reach a certain level of, of status, yeah, they're like pretty Southwest. cool with it. Like they understand, hey, you know, you're, you're going to be spending a lot of time here and a lot of your company's money here. So we're not going to nickel and dime you because you needed to change from one of our hotels to give money to a different one of our hotels. Like I'm obsessed with Marriott. Like, and I think the actual pronunciation is Marriott. Marriott. According uh, but to I say the, Marriott because that's what it is. Yeah. But even when my wife goes on business trips, I'll I'll book her hotel through my thing and I'll call ahead and say put her on the room just to ensure that we get the points. Absolutely. Um, and and I does. got the status, but I I just started with Marriott. Marriott. And uh, <laughs> Marriott just sounds better yeah, rolling off. I'm not the gonna tongue. say Marriott and act like I'm like uh, it's Marriott. Um, and my understanding from when I started was that there were just more locations. And I think that the reason why it's even gotten better is because they recently got Weston and all those other right. Brands. They, they merged with with Sheridan and, and all those. And so, so if it, you need a hotel yeah. anywhere, and like when you're a sports writer covering college football, you do stay in some relatively you might wind up in some places. weird places. Yeah. So like, and there's always a Fairfield Inn somewhere, and I find that that the Marriotts are all very, uh, you know, what you're going to get. I've never stayed in a place, not that you would with Hilton. Um, but I think the reason why I started was just because the sports writer who mentored me in the beginning of the career told me to get a Marriott. So J John Adams from the Knoxville News Sentinel, when I was covering Tennessee for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, my first job, I was 21 years old. He's like, Andy, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the most important thing anyone will tell you. And I'm thinking it's going to be this big journalism lesson. And he goes, choose a hotel rewards system and stick with it. Now, he's yeah, I don't understand. The, I don't understand why these people like don't have a system. Oh yeah, you have to have you one. Stay in Hilton other. one or Marriott one, and then Hotel Tonight. I, I will say, I having stayed in quite a few different Hiltons, and, and I did a, an experiment with it. I was perfectly happy with Hilton. I liked Hilton a lot. Yeah, I'm uh, sure it's the same thing. Embassy like Hilton Suites, Garden Inn and a Fairfield are the same thing. Well, Embassy Suites is uh, is strong, especially the the omelet bar in every Embassy Suites. I mean, it, yeah. it is. I know they have like a happy hour at four o'clock where you get corn dogs. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Double trees give you cookies. I mean, there's a lot going on there. So I don't, I don't necessarily go one or the other. I will say the rise of Verbo and Airbnb has sort of changed how I feel about that because my goal for each year, and this is pre pandemic, obviously, but my goal for each year was to try to rack up enough Marriott points to have a really nice free mm -hmm. vacation for the family. But now if you're going to do an Airbnb or a Verbo, cause you can get those for usually a good price you, with, you know, a family of four, you're going to want to stay in a house anyway, as opposed to a hotel room. I'm not as obsessed with that. So I don't worry as much about it. Now I'm just like, like I was I'm in Vegas last year. I was in Vegas last year. And, and the thing I was covering was at the, was at Aria, which is an MGM hotel and cosmopolitans and Marriott property. It was too expensive. There was another Marriott property a little bit down the street. I ended up staying there the first night. And then I went over to Ari and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to myself? Like you were going to say, I know exactly what hotel you picked too. Did you pick the Weston right behind the Flamingo? No, no. I picked a, I picked a Marriott. There was a, there's a Marriott uh, kind of vacation. Club. Oh, cause last time I went to yeah. Vegas, I actually picked for the first time in my adult life, that Weston behind because the strip because of, of Marriott. Points. Yeah. Um, no, I, and like, I want to get my status and stuff. And it's just like, well, at the end of the night, 
you know, do I need to really walk through one more casino? That's all I've been doing the whole time. I'll just like take an Uber or walk and go upstairs. It's a clean room and it's, it's right on the strip basically. So, you know, I, and I'm going for a fantasy football draft in September and I'm staying in the Cosmo cause it was a good rate and it's a Marriott. Yeah. Well, there you go. Like that's kind of like the way I operate. But see, I now I because I basically lived in in Marriotts for a solid like seventeen years. I I'm I'm the lifetime whatever whatever. So oh, I'm still a it, few years away from life. It doesn't matter like how many I get per year now. So I'm I'm much more loose about it. Like if the if the media hotel is something else, but it's right where it needs to be, I'm fine. Oh, I'll just yeah. I'll just stay there. Oh, that's and, and I'm also. I don't know about you, Ari. When I'm on the road for work, I don't care what kind of room you give me. Like, no, I don't need a suite. I don't need if it has a bed and a desk. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't care about that. But I do very much like every year. Britt and I go on a very nice vacation and stay in a very nice hotel for free. And I like enjoy the fact that we can do that. Yeah. I mean, I I, we went to this place in uh, in Mexico a few years ago where our baby was made. And uh, the hotel had heated floors. It had its own plunge pool. It was the most beautiful hotel I've ever stayed in. It's called the Salaz in Cabo. And if you're a fan of the podcast, you should know where my baby was made. Um, it's been mentioned three or four times, uh, much to my chagrin. <laughs> okay, well, that'll be the last time. But I don't think we would have ever stayed there any other normal circumstance because it was $1,500 a night, 2000 yeah. $2, bucks. So we, and like, we, I we think it's crazy. Place, we stayed at a place in Capri when we went to Italy in, in 2008 that we absolutely never could have touched without Marriott. And also, uh, they the points system at Marriott doesn't add up. Like sometimes you can get a fifteen hundred dollar room for one hundred and twenty thousand points, but a two hundred dollar room is sixty thousand. Yeah. So the, if you like the math, really, the math has only gotten weirder since the merger. So. so it's a weird math, but if you have the the stomach to look through all of it and try to find the best deal, like Hawaii has insane deals for Marriott. Um, but then, too, I also have my I do it with my rental car. I mean, I do it with my Amex because you get certain points and I try my best to thread the needle and get as many points along the way as possible. Yeah. So and I also are you a hotel person when you're alone? Like, I enjoy it. Some people are kind of like, oh, I wish I was at home. It's like if I get a cold hotel room with a clean bed and a desk, I'm good in there. I mean, like, I think it's relaxing almost like tonight I'm flying to Nashville for the player personnel symposium and I'm going to land in Nashville around 11. I'm going to get a car and I'm going to go to the hotel and I'm going to lay down in bed. I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to watch better call Saul in the peace and quiet. And I'm going to be relaxed in there. I like it. That does sound a little bit like heaven. Well, we will, we will, well, especially if you have a pizza hut on the way too. Oh, good look. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. How many? We, we, it's, we it's will be on the road here. more. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We will be on the road more because the season is about to start. Teams are practicing. We got a little bit on the field today, Ari. We're going to get a lot more on the field as we go. It's about that time. When we come back on Wednesday, Ari may or may not. He's got, he's got, he, he's covering something. So he, he may be talking to some people. But John Talty, who, who's got a book coming out about Nick Saban, will join us. One of the stories that didn't make the book, Jeremy Pruitt trying to explain what a Zaxby's was to Nick Saban. So you can only imagine what actually made the book. We're going to talk to John about that. Thursday, Stars Matter. Friday, Ari and I are back together. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.